coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. For more than 50 days, she and the people that were with her wore exactly the same clothes and did not have a shower or a bath or anything. Now we know that more than 40 babies were murdered on October 7th. I'd like to see Gaza living next door to Israel in peace and 100,000 people coming in every day to work. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one, a nope. token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just say thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for long-term friendships. When I think about my four journeys over to Israel and a lot of what I've learned that I didn't know, God, God, we just ask that this podcast can allow others who've never been there, never understood what's going on, so it could be some clarity. And we're going to ask questions, not like ones on a witness stand, but we're questioning for better understanding, because God, we need to understand to the best of our abilities what's going on. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, lift up the Jewish nation of Israel, your chosen people, as they continue to become persecuted by monsters. Lord, we ask for protection, that you send down protection to the people of Israel, to the nation of Israel, to the hostages, to the IDF and the soldiers that are in the, in harm's way. We lift up also Israeli folks that are around the world that are experiencing anti-Semitism. Lord, uh, you're in control, and we ask that you uh, protect our people. Amen. Can I say two things on this? Um, just uh, words of prayer. Baruch Atadani Blessed is God, source of all creation, who frees the captives. Oseh Shalom Bim Romav. May the one who makes peace in the highest of heavens bring peace to us, to all of the people of Israel, to all of the Middle East, and all the world. Amen. Amen. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when I first got started in community service and leadership, it was two gentlemen, among others, who really took me under their wings. Bishop George W. Brooks, my mentor, and Rabbi Fred Gutman, who took me under his wings and over the years has really did a lot. So I just want to introduce today's audience to Rabbi Gutman, who's going to share with us some very important insights. Rabbi Gutman, thank you so much for joining us, sir. It's uh, wonderful to be here with you, Odell. We've known each other for so long. 
our joke for those who don't know us is that we're twin sons of different mothers. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, see the really, I see the resemblance. Like we're, we're just brothers. We are just brothers. It and uh, it's, it's really quite amazing. So listen, I'd like to start with um, the fact then on October 6th, there was a ceasefire, okay? And what happened on October 7th was so extraordinary. I mean, uh, you know, I've got a lot of family living in Israel, and it's extraordinary for a variety of reasons. I'm going to start off without going into detail. One was the fact that, that in the Southern Command of 34 brigades, 32 were in the West Bank and only two were in Gaza. That is a an incredible screw up by the Israeli government. Right now, 78% of the people feel that uh, Bibi Netanyahu needs to go. Okay, there is a almost 50% feels that uh, Benny Gantz, the former chief of staff and the head of uh, a moderate political party needs to be the prime minister. The last year was a horrible year in terms of Israeli's government. So I want to start off by saying that I and uh, most of the people I know in Israel are not fans of Bibi Netanyahu. But that being said, all of that is being put on the back burner right now. All of that internal political strife, which occurred throughout the year, even before this war, with with an attempt by his government to um, take away the power of the uh, judiciary, all that's being put on the back burner because the, the problem in Gaza Strip and the problem with what Hamas did has to be dealt with. And, it, and in order to do that, there has to be a great deal of uh, unity among the people. Now, before I get into this, I just want to mention something that you probably don't know, that during all of the protests against the judicial reform, one of the organizations was made up of former army people and reserve people in the Israeli reserve. Uh, reservists in Israel serve anywhere for a month to six weeks a, a year. Israel does not have a large standing army. And there were 50, 50, 50,000 people who were in an organization protesting the government called Brothers in Arms, and they would come out with um, rallies in Jerusalem at 30,000, 40,000 in Tel Aviv with more than 100,000. And when this happened, okay, and when this happened on October 7th, Brothers in Arms, which is 50,000 people, shifted their focus towards taking care of people and providing the necessary social services. Many of them, when it first started to happen, they picked up their army issue weapons and they went down to Gaza and they saved lives of, of people. But that that wasn't only on that day. In other words, 50,000 of them, when the government was not functioning, the government, in my opinion, is still functioning at a very low level. Civil society took over and started providing the necessary services. And that's something that we don't really hear so much about in the United States. And first and foremost among them were the uh, this organization, originally a protest organization, but this organization called Brothers in Arms. Now, you know what? If I were to say that Mick Jagger was a rabbi, you'd laugh, okay? You'd laugh. But there is a line in Symphony for the Devil Okay, that really, you know, 
Pleased to meet you. Won't you take my name? Something like that. You know that song, okay? Okay. But it's like the devil in that song is saying every cop is a criminal and all the sinners are saints. Mm. That to me is Torah. That's almost scripture. Okay. That's coming right out of the right out of the words of the devil in this song. And and, and probably people on this webcast say, boy, that rabbi is really nuts. He's quoting Mick Jagger as, as something he learned for. Okay, fine. But the devil is, sa is saying that there's an inversion of values. Every cop is not a criminal. Most of them are not. Right. Okay? I have many friends in the in the uh, Greensboro Police Department. Okay. And then the devil says, and all the sinners are saints. And that that inversion of values is happening in front of our eyes. And it's incredible to me. It's absolutely incredible to me. I mean, we have people that are saying, we are gays for Gaza. Well, I'm sorry. You think that you're a gay person, then go to Gaza, okay? And they will throw you out the third floor of a high building. Mm. You will be dead. There are many, many people in Israel who have fled the West Bank and other places in the Arab world because they were gay. Their lives were at time. And God, you know, you talk about gays. What about trans people? No, nope. no. Nope. And what about the rights of women? No. Nope. Okay. So there's this inversion of values, and we see it in what happened on October 7th. Now, I have been to Poland. 22 times and led groups there. And the largest death camp in Poland is uh, known as uh, Auschwitz. And at Auschwitz, there were five gas chamber crematory units. And, and one of them, a million, 200,000 people were, were there. And one of them, crematory two and crematory three, when people would go into them, they'd go down into a, uh, a room underground. They would take off their clothes and they would tie their shoes together because they were told they're going to get them back. Mm. Then they were led into a, a room, which was a gas chamber. Okay, They didn't know it at the time. They didn't know it at the time. They thought it was a shower or whatever. They had been told, told that. We know that some of the women who had small children would put hide these children in this dressing room underneath the clothes that they had taken off, okay? The door would be shut. The door would be shut. And then the SS officers or the SS soldiers would go through the dressing room looking for hidden children. Wow. And then they would find those hidden children, open up the doors of the gas chamber, throw them in, okay, on top of the other people, and only after searching for children, only after searching for children, would another man go to what was a Red Cross ambulance, not really a Red Cross ambulance, but it was meant to look like one, and take out a canister of cyanide pellets and drop it through a chute in the roof and kill those people. Now that, my friends, is genocide. And that, my friends, is the ultimate of cruelty. And I could not imagine that something like that could ever, ever happen again. And yet, 
we found a baby. We found one baby. I'm going to talk about more babies. We found one baby who had been put into an oven in a house, mm. and the oven turned on. And when we took that baby out on the back, obviously the baby was dead. You could see on the back the lines from the heating element on the back of the baby. Now, we know that more than 40 babies were murdered on October 7th. Now, some of them had their throats slit, and some of them, were because they had their throats slit, were decapitated. Okay? Now, you talk about all the sinners are saints. So it got the word without all babies had been decapitated. And the next thing you know, we have the anti-Israel chorus saying, it is not true. Not all of the babies were decapitated. By the way, that is true. But all of them are murdered. Hmm. What in the heck is going on here? This is an inversion of our values as human beings. This is ISIS, an organization. This is Hamas. This is a Nazi-like genocidal organization. Today, as we speak, Israel is just on pins and needles. Who's going to be released? Who's going to be released today? Mm -hmm. There's a family called the Bebus family where the mother and her two sons were taken into as hostages. One of the sons, Fear, just celebrated his 10 months of being alive. Mm. And the other one, Ariel, is four years old. And the reason, now everybody, that would be enough for everybody to say, when are they going to get out? Are they going to release this mother and her two children? But <laughs> these two children are redheads, okay? So you see pictures all over the place in Israel and on social media of these two absolutely beautiful babies. I mean, beautiful children, one 10 months old, the other four. And, and they're saying, bring them home. Bring them home and bring them home now. Now, I'd like to say that the Red Cross has checked in on all of these hostages that are still there, but no, you know. And I'd like to tell you the fact that three days ago, an 84-year-old woman who had been a Holocaust survivor but was living on a border kibbutz was released, and she was almost dead. And why was she almost dead? Because for the past 51 days, she had no access to her medications. And Hamas wouldn't give them to her. Wouldn't give them. Her family took medications, three months worth of medications, and went to the Red Cross in Geneva and said, you guys got to get this to my mom. Okay? They couldn't do it. They absolutely couldn't do it. The people that are being released, there's a, a girl named Emily Hand, whose father is Irish, who was, their parents were divorced, and she was visiting her mother and, and her mother's uh, boyfriend, and they were murdered in front of her eyes. And this girl was taken, I don't know, seven, eight years old, 
She was taken into Gaza. And she came back, a little girl, she came back gaunt. And they asked her, what did you eat there? She said, rice and not enough. And some of the times adults would give up their rice ration. For more than 50 days, she and the people that were with her wore exactly the same clothes and did not have a shower or bath or anything. And then, and then they went to one woman that they were with and they said, we're going to release you, but only if you write a letter saying how well we took care of you. And then when it was time to release her, Guess what Hamas did? They gave these hostages a shower and new clothes after more than 50 days. And I could just go on and on and on and on. I mean, about kids that were there who saw their parents murdered in front of there. Or one thing that is just amazing to me, you know, there was this Nova festival down there on the border, an outdoor music concert, you know, like not quite Woodstock, but an Israeli Woodstock wannabe. Mm -hmm. And they came in there and with Kalashnikovs, they murdered 350 people on the site. And then they went to other places, including a kibbutz where they went into the Idan family. They found the Idan family. They murdered the parents. They murdered two of the kids. The father picked up his daughter and was holding her, and they shot him in the back, and he fell over and bled all over her, okay? And after a while, she got up and ran to a neighbor's house. She was taken into uh, as a hostage, okay? Two of her other siblings, she had five kids in his family, two managed to not be taken, and they were taken up north to an uncle's house. And this little girl, Abigail Edan, is an American citizen. And so Biden started speaking about her, thank God, and we got her out. So these these things are going on. Now, if you don't mind, I just want to say one other thing. You know, the people sometimes talk about Gaza as since uh, 2005 uh, being a prison, an outdoor prison. Well, let's look at that statement. In 2005, Israel disengaged from Gaza. As part of that disengagement, there were a group of hothouses, because Gaza really could have a great hothouse industry. It's south of, you know, it's towards Egypt, and they could have a great industry of growing winter tomatoes and exporting them not only to Israel, but to Europe and the, and the Middle East. They could really create a prosperous society. So when Israel withdrew from northern Gaza, the settlements there had these hothouses, and they were worth $14 million, and they were producing over $100 million of income. Within three days, three days after the disengagement, those hothouses were destroyed. Now, at that time, okay, at that time, the per capita income in Gaza was slightly more than $2,000. 
the per capita income in Israel was $9,300. That was in 2005. Today, the per capita income in Gaza is approximately five thousand plus dollars and in israel it's a 39 in in 2002 it's a 39 thousand dollars in 1987 there were 45,000 people a day who came from gaza to work in israel gaza's economy was that mm-hmm. uh, there were times when it was closer to a hundred thousand people that were working in Israel, bringing money back into Gaza. Now, Israel has not blockaded Gaza. And the ultimate truth of that is the fact that all these weapons are there. They went into hospitals, and underneath they found weapons, Kalashnikov and RPGs and shoulder-held rockets and stuff like that. There's no if Israel had a blockade, how the heck did all these weapons get in there? There was no blockade of Gaza, but Gaza was controlled from 2007 on by Hamas. And billions of dollars in aid, especially from Qatar and other countries, went into Gaza. Now, what happened to that aid? Well, first of all, there's two people in Gaza who are leaders of Hamas, they live in luxury in Gaza. Khaled Mashal, according to The Economist, is worth $5 billion. And Ismail Hanina, who's also living in Qatar and is leader of Hamas, is worth $4 billion. Meanwhile, the money that was going into Gaza was used not to improve the lives of the people, but to build 300 miles of underground tunnels. By the way, in Israel, they refer to the underground tunnels as the metro, okay, like a subway system. Mm. 300 miles. And you see this, and I come back to what happened to the average income since 2005 in Gaza, it increased a little bit, $3,000, $3,500. But in Israel, it went way up. Gaza had the potential. You know, there's five-star hotels in Gaza, by the way. People don't know that. It's got a great beach. This is the Mediterranean. Gaza had the potential to be so, so much. And this corrupt rule of Hamas, okay, has siphoned off money, for person. Why is there a water problem in Gaza? Because with all that money, they didn't improve the water system. Why is there sewage in the streets with all that money? They didn't improve the sewage system. There was no investment in no schools. The schools were provided by the United Nations. So this situation there, which is absolutely terrible and was what was terrible beforehand, is only their own fault. I have to tell you, it breaks my heart because you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see Gaza living next door to Israel in peace and 100,000 people coming in every day to work, okay? There's plenty of jobs in Israel. Did you know, guys, that among the hostages, there were people from the Philippines and Thailand and all of that? Why? Because they're having to import workers from all over the world. There were two guys, by the way, Wait, uh, two Africans uh, from some place, I think Tanzania, 
who came there, and they're still being held hostage because Israel could uh, is a flourishing economy and needs uh, people to, particularly in agricultural work, and these people were being paid Israeli, Israeli sal- salaries. So, you know, this whole thing just breaks my heart. I can I'll end my little rant by saying that that Israel is really on edge right now. There's not a big celebration, I, 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 when a hostage is released. It's like saying, we're glad you're home. We don't know. By the way, this Emily Hand, this little girl that was so gaunt, her father told us in an interview on CNN that she won't speak loud. She only will speak in uh, whispers because she's so afraid that somebody's going to kill her. Mm. And that he hugged her and they're starting to feed her. And by the way, you can't you can't all of a sudden give a steak dinner to a person that's had rice only for 51 days. You could blow up their stomach and cause internal bleeding. And he said the first night she got home, she got under the covers of the bed and cried. Hmm. And he had to tell her that her mother was dead. Hmm. Okay. I, so this is what we're dealing with, Bill and Odell. And it, and it's just, it's graphic and it's horrible. And every time one of the hostages is released, we're glad, we thank God, but we ask, well, what about the rest of them? And there's, I think, 160, 170 still there. Well, Rabbi, thank you so much for laying that out for us. And the whole idea about the physical conditions of the hostages well, the release hostages, you talked about some of the young ladies may or may not have been abused. You talked about the psychological aspects of them. Can you get a little more into that? Because what I'm hearing, and I don't know all the details, is that they are releasing women and children. And I think the exchange is for every one that Hamas releases, the Israeli government releases three so it's three to one, and no one's saying anything about the the young men and the older men. But, you know, usually I don't even want to talk about war crimes because it looks like there's no rules now going from that perspective. Do you know the conditions of the young ladies, what happened to them physically, mentally, emotionally, if you don't mind, sir? Okay, well, let's put it this way. There is a tremendous amount of evidence of rape and sexual crimes against women. We know that one woman was uh, apparently raped and then they blew off part of her head. Wow. They covered up her head and took her body on the back of a truck or something like that, an open truck. We know from the pictures of this, and they paraded in Gaza, that she had blood in her crotch, I guess you could say, okay? And there were other dead people because most of the time when they were were raped, they were killed right afterwards. And and as a matter of fact, we have one horrible thing that actually actually is from, uh, if I remember, it might even be, I'm not sure if the source is is even uh, Israeli, but a source where where a guy was raping a girl and and immediately when he finished, he didn't even pull out. He put a bullet through her head. Okay. Now, the sad thing is that a lot of this has been documented now through forensic evidence. Some of it, evidence we have, such as that woman who was uh, dead and being paraded through Gaza with 
blood all over her waist. And by the way, people were cheering. People were cheering that. And it, it was a big celebration, big, big celebration. Uh, so we know that. The thing that gets us, that, that bothers the Jewish community is the fact that this evidence is so extensive. And yet there is a an attempt, again, all the sinners are saints. There's an attempt by the world to deny it and not to take it seriously, not to take the forensic evidence seriously. And what this has done is it's caused Jews to protest. Well, what about now, the National Organization for Women? Why is that the National Organization for Women not made a statement? Or the, as a matter of fact, there was a national organization of uh, female university scholars that not only didn't say anything, but then went after Israel for what they felt were its war crimes. Okay, they can have their opinion about it, but you can't say anything as a woman's organization about this. Now, the emotional trauma has to be unimaginable. I cannot, for the life of me, understand how people can do this to anyone else, okay? Mm -hmm. By the way, the people that are being released by Israel are people that had committed crimes that tried to stab people and whatever, even as, as young as 14, 15 years old. But that being said, I don't understand how people can wantonly kill innocent civilians any more than I could at Auschwitz, okay? I can't. But I will tell you this. One thing that we know about PTSD is that it comes back to bite people throughout their entire life. In other words, you can't be traumatized like this by seeing your parents shot in front of your eyes and think, oh, you'll get over it. These people, an eight-year-old girl, when she's 50, something will happen to her. This is the way PTSD works, according to something. Something will happen to her, and all of a sudden she's back when she's eight years old. And she has to work her way out of that. Okay? That's the way PTSD works. It comes and it goes and it gets triggered in a person for the rest of their lives. So this is like a wound, a psychological wound that would be parallel to, you know, having a sh something wrong with your shoulder that you feel for the rest of your life, but you only feel it when you move a certain way. Got it. Got, you know, and I, Bill's got a question for you, but you mentioned something earlier. You said the Me Too movement and you had certain feelings about that. Do you mind sharing that too, please? Yeah. Because what Jewish women are saying right now is Me Too, except if you're a Jew. Okay. That's the latest meme. So let me explain something. Okay. How do Jews define anti-Semitism? Well, the former Jewish prisoner in the Soviet Union, a man by the name of Natan Sharansky, who got out and went to Israel, was in the government, was the head of the Jewish agency, a brilliant man. I've been fortunate to meet him several times. He says that for Jews, there's a 3D test of anti-Semitism. And the 3D test is demonization. Now, if you just demonize Jews, 
or you demonize the state of Israel, particularly unfairly, okay, then that is anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. The second thing he says is delegitimization. There are people in our state, there's a, there's a minister not far from Greensboro of a Presbyterian church that basically says there should only be one state and everybody should get along, Jewish and Arab state. Well, that's impossible. The only solution is a two-state solution. But that a one state, how does that work in Lebanon? That means the end of Israel. That is a statement that we would view as being a statement of delegitimization and is reflective of a certain anti-Semitism. And the third, and this brings us back to the women's organization, is double standards. Okay? Look, where were these organizations, whether they're women or not, when half of me and Syrians were being murdered by the Syrian government. 800,000 of them were pushed out of Syria as refugees in, into Europe and elsewhere. Some of them died on the way in, the, in, in ships that weren't seaworthy. So, you know, where is the rest of the world? And where are, I come back to this, where are the women's organizations who would call out sexual crimes against anybody in most cases, but now because Jewish women are involved or Israeli women are involved, they are silent. Okay. They are silent. You know, Elie Wiesel, the Nobel laureate and Holocaust survivor who wrote this amazing book called Night about his experiences has also said that the opposite of evil is not good. It's indifference. I think I messed it up. But anyway, the point is, the worst thing is silence and indifference, you know? And in the Jewish community, some people said, how could the Holocaust ever have occurred? Where was the rest of the world? Why didn't people speak up? Why didn't they say, say anything? I grew up, okay, well, wait, I'll get to that. And now people are saying, we're beginning to understand how how, again, the sinners are the saints, okay, and there's this inversion of values, and people are indifferent and silent. Now, I'll tell you something, Odell, that you don't know. I grew up with a rabbi in Nashville, Tennessee, that marched on that third march with Martin Luther King and Selma, mm. okay? And later on, did you know that the second, after the sit-ins, took place here in Greensboro. The second week, they went to the Woolworths in Nashville, Tennessee. No, I didn't know that. By the way, that was the brilliance of what happened here. The historical brilliance is that what happened here spread off. The second place it went was my hometown. Hmm. And when it went there, and they started the sit-in movement there, my rabbi was down there. Hmm. Okay, he was down there. Now, you think about this. I was 13 years old or something like that, okay? And this is the man I grew up with. Yeah. I used to try to get kicked out of my class in Sunday school so i get sent to his office. Do you understand that? I was a bad boy. No one ever would have thought that I would have become a rabbi. I still am a bad boy, okay? Because I'd go into his office and I got to be in the presence of greatness. Mm. You see, now I met three rabbis. I won't tell you about the other two, but he was the first one that I met who's really 
impacted me and said, this is the guy I want to be. So in 2014, when John Lewis has his office say, come with me to Selma and we'll march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. You know what caused me to go? My rabbi, who was not even alive then. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, in 2014. Right. Because I had to be like him. Mm -hmm. I had to walk that walk. You know, even though it was 50, it was there was 49 years later and 50 years later, I had to. So this is the thing that gets me. Okay. We can do so much. But the problem with Hamas is that it's in their charter that they want to destroy Israel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Their leaders have said that this is just the beginning, that they will not stop till it's done. The problem with Hamas is you've got an organization with a 15th century ideology with 21st century weapons. And I don't know if you've heard the statement from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Mm. Well, what does that mean? Right. That means no Israel. That's not a two state solution statement from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free. Unbelievable. And unfortunately, Okay, because I think the peace process has been set back horribly now. Unfortunately, the people in Israel, especially those who are peaceniks, and I, I would consider myself to be a peacenik, kind of left of center person on this issue, have now got to take that a little bit more seriously. What does it mean when in Ramallah there's a poll done of the Arab population in the West Bank that says that most people don't want to live in coexistence and most people don't want to live in two states. And most people really do believe in from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free. I will tell you one thing, by the way, the for the most part, the Arabs in Israel do not buy that because their standard of living is very, very high for that part of the world. It's very, very high. 50% of the doctors are in Israel are Arab. 50% of the pharmacists are Arab, and they're being paid the same way as any Jew or any other person. I have several friends in Israel who are Arabs. The Bedouins uh, serve, and the Christian Arabs, some of the Bedouins always, in the, and the Christian Arabs and the Druze serve in the IDF. Their standard of living is, is, has been quite high. From the West Bank and from Gaza and from Hamas, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That is not a statement of coexistence, and it breaks my heart because you know what? <laughs> I've got a six-year-old grandson who loves soccer, okay? He's got probably for Hanukkah, which is coming up soon, I'll give him a soccer jersey, you know? I mean, he's got a jersey with Leonid Messi's name on the back. Wouldn't it be great? And he's, he lives in Israel, my, my grandson. Wouldn't it be great if instead of killing each other on the battlefield, Palestinians and Israelis couldn't compete with each other on the soccer field? Yeah. Now, I am so overjoyed that I have four grandchildren. It's a great thing. If I'd known how much I would enjoy my grandchildren, I would have skipped having children and gone directly to that stage. Okay? I love having grandchildren. They're a blessing to me. 
but the world that we, Bill, Odell, and Fred, are leaving them is not a blessing. Bill, your thoughts. Your question for the rabbi, sir. Rabbi, you've given us a lot to think about. I'll tell you the uh, what you outlined as far as the evil and the hatred, you know, just blows my mind. I mean, I know that people dislike each other. I've been to the result of it in this uh, school board stuff, which is nowhere near what goes to the Israel. But I was shocked at how people come out and unfairly criticize you and unfairly show hatred. And you go, I'm just trying to help out here. I'm not trying to do anything. And, you know, those poor people that were attacked were just one, having a concert and sleeping and they were doing their daily things, maybe having their coffee in the morning and in comes these terrorists. You know, the two state nation is is where it's got to be. There was an article about Bill Clinton that he worked really hard. He got real close and the Palestinians turned him down flatly. And uh, and that, he said, was one of his biggest frustrations in his presidency. He thought he, he could get that done. What do we do now with Gaza? Well, I wish I knew. I don't know what Israel's next play is, okay? It's pretty clear that, at least it is to me, that going after Hamas in southern Gaza and, and Khan Yunus is going to be very difficult because you've got people that have fled northern Gaza there. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a military person, even though I have served in the army. I don't know. I, I know that, in my opinion, the Iranians are behind a lot of this. Okay? I agree. They're providing the weapons. They're providing the money. Training. The Tories are providing. And the money and the stuff that's coming in is uh, not going to where it's needed. And the real tragedy of this, okay, ever since those hothouses were burned in 2005, destroyed 2005, three days after the disengagement, the real tragedy is is Gaza could be a paradise on the Mediterranean. There are five-star hotels there, but there should be more. This should be a place with a great tourist industry, with good education for its kids, with an amazing agricultural industry growing winter crops for export to Europe. Its potential is enormous. And unfortunately, since Hamas took over in 2007, it's been going backwards. You know what? This is an amazing thing. They would take pipes on trucks that would be sent into Gaza to make street lamps, okay? And we know that those pipes were expropriated by Hamas and cut into slightly smaller sizes and filled with fuel and explosives to make rockets. Mm. You know, that's just one example. So I don't know. I do know that reconstructing Gaza is going to be very difficult. I have no idea what the Israeli government is going to do or who's going to control it. But I do know that when 2,000 people, 2,000 murderous terrorists come across your border on, on October 7th, that that situation can never happen again. That breaks the fundamental covenant between the government of Israel and the people of Israel. Mm. That covenant is, and by the way, it's the same in the United States, the United States military has to be able to protect 
the citizens of the United States. Did you know that per capita, the number of people who were murdered on October 7th would be the equivalent, okay, per capita, of 50,000 people having been murdered on 9-11. Okay? Everybody knows somebody. Everybody knows somebody. I mean, I, I mean, I know some people that from 9-11, but not many. But in Israel, it's it's much different. I had a secretary, one, one of my wonderful secretaries. Her dad had been in the towers, but he made it out. But he was traumatized for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. So coming back to your question, Bill, I don't know what's going to be there. I, it just saddens me that the potential there because of their own fault, not because of Israel's, is not being fulfilled. And I don't know, in my, I, well, I can tell you, I do know that in my lifetime it will not be fulfilled because I don't expect to live to be 120, which is the age of Moses. Well, I hope you do <laughs> get that. <laughs> you know what they say in Jewish tradition? When you say happy birthday to somebody, you say you should live to be 120. Oh, mm-hmm. I like that. But, Okay, because that's Moses' ripe old age. But lately, for the past decade, we haven't said you should live to be 120. We say you should live to be 100 with the vim and vigor of a 20-year-old. Yeah, I like that. That's good. That's good. You know, the thing that my observation from an outsider is, why aren't the Arab nations stepping up and getting rid of places like Hamas that cause all these issues in are they afraid of iran or is there a religious issue to it it depends on what stepping up means because one of the things that's interesting is that egypt and jordan are still in the game okay there's the peace is holding the abraham accords with uh, places like uh, bahrain and uh, the uae united arab emirates it's it's holding the arab world has a real conflict between people that want to move into a modern Western society, Mm -hmm. by the way, who as hard as it is for us to believe, the Saudis are in that area. I mean, there's a problem with the Saudis. But the problems with the Saudis are nowhere near the problems that we have with Iran. Iran has become the factory for murderous drones for Russia. And Russia's turning around and using them to kill Ukrainians. All right. Mm. All of a sudden, this is unbelievable. This was about five weeks ago. All of a sudden, a missile is fired from Yemen in the Red Sea towards a lot. Now, it's fired by the Houthi rebels in Yemen. Where did that missile come from? Mm -hmm. The people in Yemen don't make missiles like that. That missile was an Iranian missile. Now, why all of a sudden, in the midst of all of this, do the Houthis, I mean, and they're firing one this day and one the next, they're not firing that many missiles. It's not like what's coming out of Gaza or even from Lebanon. Mm-hmm. But why, and this you didn't hear, why is it that the Houthis would fire a missile at southern Israel, at the southern Israel town of Elon? The answer is very clear from military intelligence. The Iranians told them to. Because the Iranians, this Iranian missile, they wanted to see what sort of missile defense systems Israel had 
for a long-range missile. Now, you've heard about the Iron Dome system. Yeah. The Iron Dome system is for short-range missiles. The missile that they fired was not a short-range missile. Israel has three different, maybe even four now, uh, missile systems. The David Sling, which is for medium-range, and the Arrow, which is for long-range ballistic missiles. And for the first time, Israel had to use the Arrow system to shoot down this this uh, missile from Iran that was shot from Yemen. So the the feeling among those who know is that that Iran was using the Houthis to test Israel's missile defense system and to see. And that was the first time that the arrow missile system was used, the uh, interceptor system was used uh, uh, for that purpose. Israel's also developing a laser system to uh, take down uh, missiles because these interceptors are very very expensive it can cost five hundred dollars to make a missile to shoot from gaza or lebanon a short-range missile but it can cost uh tens of thousands of dollars to bring it down with wow. an interceptor the iranians are behind a lot of this and what we see by the way and this is really i worry not only about israel but the united states is what i would call an axis of evil okay with the russians the Iranians, and wherever the Chinese are, okay? And this is just causing a lot, a lot of havoc in the world and a lot of challenge to the United States and the security of the United States. I don't want to be prophetic in this at all, but but I, I'm worried about our security. I'm worried about terrorist incidents going way up in our country now. I'm worried about surprise attacks on whatever. I'm worried about the fact that, that there was a Chinese balloon that, over Montana, by the way. How many people live in Montana? And right. we couldn't shoot it down over Montana. We had to wait till it came. You know, it, it came across North Carolina and went over Camp Lejeune. How's our military working? I mean, nobody lives on town. Ta- and by the way, if you're going to shoot down, turn on sirens, call everybody, say, stay inside because you don't want to get hit by debris. Okay. Now, as I said, I've been in the army, but I can't understand what, what happened that we had to let this guided Chinese balloon come and visit us from Montana and Alaska and all, visit us at Camp Lejeune. Come on. So I worry about our country, too. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. All rights reserved. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PNL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events, Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com.